up everybody? Welcome to the final episode of The Bible Boys for this year. My name is James. I'm Pip. I'm Nick. Hey! I'm very special guest, Nick. Nick, Nick is back. Nick, I'm how back. are you today? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, even more stoked to be on another episode of our boys i never thought it would come but it's really like an early christmas present oh there you so, go you are an early um, christmas present oh, stop right. it guys this is the gift that just keeps on giving oh, isn't it that's right that's right that's right and uh for our youtube watchers you'll notice that today we've got a bit of a different setup uh pip is handheld how what do you call this i'm handhelding the camera <laughs> <laughs> for people that want a more of an immersive experience an immersive experience because VR yes. as we know is the next big thing that's right but what you might not know is that you don't even need a VR headset to experience VR all you need is someone holding the camera and doing it kind yeah. of shakily right and it's as close to VR as you'll ever get so don't waste your money is what you're no, saying. No, and if you're watching this on a laptop, just put your eyes right up to the screen <laughs> and that'll give you the full experience. Anyway, um, Merry Christmas, boys. That's right. That's right. We are on the cusp of Christmas. And I think we need to start with a really important topic, which is lateness. Ah, uh, yes. What do you think about lateness, uh, the, the theology of lateness. Um, <laughs> being late. Jesus wasn't late. He came no. right on time. I think Judas would have been late. Judas would have been late. That's right. We say this in the context that, you know, Nick... Mate, you're a bit late today, weren't you? You're late. Look, it is irregular for me. Yeah. I think I think I've been talked to by 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 many um, many a person, mm-hmm. uh, my friends, namely, but even look, even ministers as well. So maybe it's a little, Ooh, little you know subtle what? rebuke. That's right. As sinful as that is, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he who he who has not been late. Can throw the first stone. Okay? Yeah, right. He who's never late can throw the first stone. But I will say this. One thing that you've got going for you, Nick, is you've got a very good lateness etiquette about you. Right. When you enter a room late, you've got a very good demeanour. Okay. You know, you're, you're, you're apologetic, but not too apologetic. You want to get on with it, and I like that. That's good. I like to see uh, that. I'm glad. That's right. What, what would be a poor lateness etiquette? I so not apologetic. I don't appreciate it when people come in late and they just say... Oh, hey guys. And they sit like nothing's wrong. That's right. There's something wrong here. Or the person who comes in and makes a big show and do about it. Like yes. comes in like, hey boys, how are we going? Yeah, yep, right. started the meeting. Oh. Now, you can start it. Do you have someone in mind when you say that, James? No, I have no one in mind when I say that. So you're saying being macho when you walk in yes. late is eternal. Right. You need to come it's in really with wrong. your tail between your legs. That's, yeah, that's yeah, how yeah. it's meant to yeah. be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. That's right. Um, but no, we're not actually going to talk about that. It's okay. You're look, here now. That's look, what matters. I, I, I do need to get... And maybe New Year's resolution, be on time yes. for most stuff. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, you know, in... in because I'm part of the the youth group at, at the church that we go to. Um, it's called Salt. And James, you you often had that up, and you would say regularly. Would you, how would you go for my? Um, uh, how would my tardiness be for for that? Look, Nick, it's two thirds and one third. Okay. Two thirds, you're 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 late. But I will say this, Nick, you're you're usually. Actually, I don't know if I can say usually. You you sometimes text and say sorry. I'm running. Late. All right, okay. So that's that's not a bad thing. You know, actually, I will say on a more serious note that I do think there is a sense in which chronic lateness is a matter of godliness, and I and I say this because I was really rebuked by this by my ministry trainer Gary, because he's saying it's it's actually a matter of keeping your word. If you say to someone you'll be there at a particular time, it's important for you to be there, and if you're not going to be there 
to apologize and or to text in letting them know when you're not going to be there. So I think that that's been really good for me to grow. Pip, you've got a grin on your face. What's oh, happening? I've just zoomed in on Nick's face. He's loving it. Sweating. He's loving it. That's right. Oh. Hey, um, actually, just on the YouTube side. So shout out to Joseph Bartholomew Shen. He's a, a, a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in two years. And I saw him on Saturday. He comes into the room. First thing he says is, I'm loving the Bible, boys. I want to meet Pip one day. Oh, wow. well... You know, with the technology of VR, you are meeting me right now, Joseph. Um, no, but it'll be good to meet you. That's right. And he, he watches on YouTube. Okay. So he's not one of our audio listeners. He's one of our video watchers. Oh, there you go. So you'll be looking, you'll be watching this right now. That's right. There that's you go. Right. So shout there. out to you, Joseph Bartholomew Shen. On that note, yes. would you prefer your listeners or well, let's just say consumers of sure. your podcast? We'll call them consumers. consumers. Sheep. Sheep. Yeah. Sheep. Yes. Yeah. Would you prefer sheeple? What what is what is more? What, what do you find more enjoyable for you guys? Would you prefer people watch the YouTube or listen on to the various podcast platforms? I think Pip and I would be similar in saying as long as you consume the content. Yeah, okay. yeah. As long as you're part of the flock. But but if you could choose, if you could choose, I would say YouTube. Yeah, it's the YouTube. full experience. It is. Okay. Now that being said, Pip, we need to get better with our lighting then, because sometimes our videos are very that's right dingy, you know. Yeah. Sorry, it's almost got... like, you know, you're on a date with the Bible boys. <laughs> but can we? Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can do that, you know. Valent- right. Valentine's Day. Oh, special. Yeah. we have themed lighting. That's yeah. Right. Okay. So for today, we really should have well, like the red Christmas, and green. We, got the Christmas we do have some Christmas stuff in the back here. Yeah. Uh, do you have uh, a Christmas tree that's up, Nick? Do you have? Does the Davis household put up a Christmas tree? Hundred yeah. percent Christmas yeah. tree, not a real Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. You got to go for the synthetic because, yeah, like, right. it all comes back mm-hmm. to when my brother used to sell actual Christmas trees at a place called Martelli's, which used to be opposite Epping West. Oh, Martelli's! Yeah, used to go in there get some fruit. Yeah, not there anymore. Now, kind of some other random tuition place that I've never seen anyone go. You know, aside from that, uh, and he used to sell Christmas trees around Christmas time. Right. I would say often. There's a lot of arguments around the Christmas tree. Really? Yeah. Um, because, you know, like it's not the right shape mm. or any of that kind of thing. And actually, it's a circle. Often, yeah. It's, it's a circle. It's, it's a Christmas sphere, really. Yeah. Right? Buy yeah. a hedge, you know. But um, also, another bad part of it is that, like, you know, when you, when you get in the, the Christmas tree, it's got to come from somewhere, not yeah, in right. the forest. And often, more often than not, you know, some critters or something like yeah, that. Maybe right. a wasp nest or something. Yes. So it's like, and, and, you know, he, he admits to sometimes having to palm off some, yeah. some waspy treats. Ooh, right. So, you know, I mean, as, as general policy goes, so we've always gone synthetic. Yeah. It's been a bit more safer. Yes. Um, Synthetic's the way to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. But, um, I mean, synthetic, yeah. 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 Hey, I, I don't know enough about the Christmas story, history, whatever. Like, mm. what, what what is with the Christmas tree? Do you know? The, you yeah. Know, you know? What's, what's with the Christmas tree? Do you know the Christmas tree story? I mean, you said yeah first, so... Well, I'll do you know? I, I think so. Okay. Well, okay, so St. Nicholas. Yes. Okay. When he was a child, yeah. he climbed a tree. Uh-huh. And actually, the reason why he was, uh, I guess... This is St. Nicholas, the guy who like went around giving gifts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. One, of the, one of the reasons why he was made a saint in the first place yeah. was because he fell from this very tall tree and he survived. And it's this miracle... Right, and which is why he was kind of deified in a sense. Right, right, and so um, every year his parents would buy him a tree. <laughs> 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 
Go on, go on. <laughs> and he collected so many trees, he had so many to give out that he started to, and they were all because he lived in Austria. There were all these kind of Christmasly pine trees in the yeah. shape of the trees that we know and love today. Yeah. And he got so many trees from his parents because they, you know, saw it as good luck that he survived this great fall. Um, he started to give them away to people in his neighborhood. Sure. And they got so much joy from it, and he got so much joy from giving away the trees, he thought, why not give away other things? And so he started to give away presents of all sorts, and that's how the tradition of gift-giving began. It all started with the tree. That St. Nicholas fell off of and yes. survived. And it, the only thing was he hit his foot, and a toe was severed off. Right. And they would hang it. Up above... That was the, the original Christmas decoration. That was the mistletoe. <laughs> it was... Uh, mistle is Austrian for, for missing. <laughs> it's the missing toe. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Anyway, what's the real story, Nick? I just think it's like people... Like, you know, it's pine trees, isn't it? So, Europe, I don't know. Case closed. Why not? Why not have a tree in the house? It's fine. There's all these different Christmas traditions, right? Like trees, eggnog, gift giving, all that stuff. It's really, really one of those uh, interesting things that I've been thinking about as Christians. Like how many of these Christmas traditions do you partake in? Mm. When do you tell your kids that Santa is not real? Do you even bring in Santa in the first place? Yes. When do you tell them that the tree is actually a pagan monument? <laughs> when do you bring that in? And, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, giving glory to the consumeristic gods That's right. of, our, That's of right. our world. You know, another tradition around Christmas time sure. that you should avoid is talking politics right. at the Christmas table with your relatives. Now, is this a tradition or is this don't make it tradition? This is, uh, for a lot of people, every year when yeah. the family gets together, someone has to bring up the latest, you know, you know, liberal versus labor, Trump versus, you know, Democrats, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Do, you, do your families get in, do you, do you start to have political arguments around Christmas time? I wouldn't say it's a regular for our family. Um... Yeah, it's usually like just chat about the board. Christmas pud. Yeah, Christmas yeah. Pud. maybe that can be political. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I don't have any of that. Usually, there's a, it depends on which side of the family, but, oh, sorry, which part of the family, but there can be a bit of a sizing up, like, yeah. what do you do this year, sort of thing, sure. and that's where the controversy gets stoked. Mm, yeah. What about you, Pip? Well, Are you the instigator? Sometimes I instigate. Sometimes I let others instigate. But I've been boning up on my politics. Oh right. Right. I've been okay. learning. Right. Right, sure. and I've come across this. I don't know if you've heard of this Shooters and Fishers party. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. You are aware of this. Yes. The real party, the Shooters and Fishers party. Yes, I, I know of them. Now, here's my take on it. You want to hear my take? Please. The fishing. I understand. I like fishing. Don't I, you know? Can get around it. Seems very Christian. Yeah. Yeah, fisher. That's right. Fisherman. And there's something mm. idyllic about the fishing. The shooting, however. <laughs> Is this other side of the coin that I'm not <laughs> that big a fan of? Now, if I was, I if I was in the shooting and fishing party, and I was more of a fishing sort of person, mm. I might float the idea with the rest of my fishing fans. You know what? Maybe the shooting part of it is giving us a bad image. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just become the fishers' party. 
a fishers party, fishing. Everyone Australians would get around that. Yeah. Get take the shooting out of it is yes. what I'd say. Maybe yes. a point. I think yeah. of, you know. Do you think that it would immediately boost their representation on a local yes. and federal level? Yes. It's like it's like someone who likes chocolate is friends with someone who likes knives, and they're like, "We should go on a politics get. We'll have a chocolate and knives party." It's like you know what? If I was the chocolate person, just make a chocolate party, okay? You don't <laughs> need the knives. Yes. Fishing, you don't need the shooting. Is it is it kind of like the the arrangement of the names though, right? So what if you had fishers and shooters party? You know, because the fish is, well, you know, fishing comes first. You could forget about. But is it party. fishing and shooters, or is it shooters and fishes? I think mm. it's the. Oh, it's shooters and fishes. That's the party. Is it? Yeah. All right, let me check. I'm pretty. pretty yeah, you might be right. But um, anyway, yes. Because so maybe, be, maybe it's the order. You never know. Yes. So chocolate and knives. Focus on the choc, chocky. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. It's the shooters, fishers, and farmers party. Oh. So I reckon the fishers and the farmers should do their own yeah, thing. Yeah, the fishers and Ditch the farmers. Ditch the shooters, yeah. That's right. The, 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 it ruins the alliteration as well, the shooters. Yeah. Anyway, that's my two cents. You should make it the family, the fishers, and the farmers. Yeah. Or, Who wouldn't want or that? To, or to go on the kind of hunter-gatherer scheme. Sure. You go the farmers... Fishers and foragers. Oh, or the triple F. Yes. The triple F. Oh. That's right. 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 Rookies. Right. What about the family and friends and fishers party? I like all of it. My point is, <laughs> the shooting needs to go. Get rid of it. Okay. It's so if you're out there and you're in the fisher, sh- shooters and fishers party, mm-hmm. take that idea to the top. See what happens. <laughs> 2021. That'll, that'll yeah. be what brings the kingdom. <laughs> Through our secular governments. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. Um, I wanted to share something with Nick. This is mm-hmm. something that Pip and I were chatting about outside of the podcast. But what do you reckon a Christian sort of talk show would look like? Sort of like a, a Jerry Springer sort of show, but for Christians. Like, okay, so example. Yeah, go. You know, Jerry Springer's there. It's like, what's your situation? You know Jerry Springer. Is Jerry Springer the show that's a bit edgy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like relational issues. Yeah. And they all like always have a fight. Jerry. Yeah, yeah, they always start having a fight. Yeah, right. right. But imagine a Christian version, right? Where... Instead of Jerry, Someone reads on, it's like, you know, me and my boyfriend have been dating for three months. He wants to do MTS. I'm not so sure. Ooh. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can handle the burdens of, of, of ministry. Ooh, Jerry, Jerry. That's right. And the guy's just like, I'm just trying to be devoted to the Lord. Ooh. And then they're like, okay, well, in order to solve this, we brought in our top experts. We brought in the Christian counselor. Yes. Brought in the psychologist. We brought in the theologian. And we ran them through a series of tests. And we have a result. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a result. And then we're going to find out after the break. Yes. This is not your Bible. No! <laughs> and then it's like, oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Flips the table. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there'll be, I take it, no fighting element then. No. No, 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 mm. no physical fighting at least. Huge. Okay. Just verbal, yes. theological. Do you discussion. think there's a market for this in the world today? Look, there could be. There could be. My only concern is that there tends to be a um, somewhat pointing the finger and laughing element um, at yes, evangelical yes. Christianity, as it were, anyway, would this not add to it? But in the purpose of speculation, why not? 
Mm, you know, why not? Right. Just throw it out there. Throw it out there. Right. Could be a uh, something to fill the gap in the market. That's there, right. So. That's right. You know, when um, when they brought the organ into the church, uh, churches, they said, why are you bringing the instrument of the bars in? Mm. And when Billy Graham was getting on the television, the, the tube, the... They were like, why are you using this worldly box? And when they brought rock and roll music, you know, the electric guitar and the drums into mm. the church, they were like, yes. bringing the pagan music. Why not bring a Jerry Springer talk show? That's the next <laughs> to Christmas. That's obviously the next That's really what we need. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when, when they say, you know, why are we bring VR into the church? You know, we'll say, we already have. Okay, all right. Well, but in all seriousness, boys... What we do need is the Word of God. Mm. And so I would love to know, Pip, what have you been reading in the Bible lately? Yes. So past couple of weeks, we've been talking, I've been bringing up Matthew. I brought up Acts chapter 2, thinking about um, what does it mean for us to hold loosely the things of, oh, oh, hold loosely the things of this world? Much like you're holding loosely the glass just there. Listeners who aren't watching on YouTube, I almost dropped a glass of water. We'll, play, we'll, we'll press play on, though. Let's play on. Yeah. Play on. Matthew. Um, Acts. Well, okay, so I've been reading some Galatians. Galatians. And I came across Galatians chapter 6. And this will be short for me. I just thought this was a, a very kind of succinct uh, expression of what it means to kind of follow Jesus in holding loosely the things of this world, okay? So, Galatians 6, reading from um, verse... I'm going to read from verse 9. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's it. So... This is a, I guess, a succinct, um, like, exhortation from Paul towards the end of Galatians. And I just love that, you know, as we have opportunity, you know, as God gives us opportunities, we're to seek to do good to all people, no matter whether they're Christian or not. But it does say, especially to the household of God. And I think you see this in Acts, where you have the, the early churches gathering, and they're sharing their possessions to those who are in need. But it seems to be particularly geared towards those who are within their immediate kind of church context. Hmm. And so, yeah, just a simple um, encouragement, you know, as we have opportunity to be doing good, um, especially to those who belong to the family of Hmm. believers. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really encouraging bit there. And, And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you think about what makes us most weary, it could be, uh, family life, it could be uh, parenting, it could be uh, our day-to-day you know, work. But actually what Paul's saying is don't become weary in doing good. That mm. actually is the thing we should be giving our energy towards. Mm. Sort of, it just makes me think a bit about that, the point we've raised a few times now about letting your primary work be the work of the Lord. And that's the thing that we should devote ourselves fully to. Yeah. 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 So... Good timing as Christmas approaches, as opportunities come up to do good to those around you. Um, yeah, the encouragement is take those opportunities as they come. Yeah, that's yeah. encouraging. Thank I you. would also draw our attention more trivially to the very next verse. <laughs> See, See what... what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. <laughs> yes, that's right. Verse 11. Seems kind of out of nowhere, doesn't yes, it? That's right. that's right. Whoa! Do you know what, do you, do you know what might be behind this, Pip? 
okay, my theory, and correct me if I'm wrong, which I'm sure you will, but do so anyway. Here's the permission <laughs> to do that. My theory is um, Paul... Uh, what, like, <laughs> Paul, Paul had a particular style of writing. Yes. And it was the telltale sign that Paul... It was a Pauline letter mm-hmm. if it was his own handwriting. Yeah. And saying... This is my own handwriting. You can tell because look how big the letters are. And I always use... So if Paul was doing the HSC, he'd be one of those kids who's like requesting a second booklet quite early on because his, his letters are quite big naturally. Mm. That's my theory. Yeah. Is that accurate, James? Um, it, no, that's not a bad theory because, yeah, so sometimes he would have a scribe and then someone, like, he would do a bit of writing of his own in the end yeah. to just sort of be like, this is, you know, this is my... Uh, just to make sure you know uh, it's legitimately mine. Um, another theory is that um, Paul, because we actually don't get a sense that there is a scribe um, at the start of Galatians, but there is a theory that his his uh, eyesight might have been pretty bad. Oh, yeah, that right. his eyesight might have been pretty bad. Uh, it's interesting, Galatians chapter four, and this is a trivial point, but it's just worth sharing because you get all these little tidbits and nuggets mm. in in books of the Bible. But Galatians chapter four, notice how. In verse 15, he says, Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? So I remember one time someone making the... the like, why, why is he talking about tearing out eyes? Like, well, what's it with eyes and stuff? Well, part of it is um, the, this maybe this understanding that Paul struggled with his eyesight as well and that like out of so much love for him, they would have even... Done, you know, given him their eyes, ah, if yes. they could. Mm-hmm. and thus here in Galatians six eleven, he's like, see what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. It's like he's got, you know, poor eyesight, and yet he's trying to mm-hmm. make this these big points to them in the yeah. book of Galatians. Like, please listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I I I also love those different quirks within Paul's letters, mm. uh, especially. That again, uh, uh, trivial things, but definitely add to the, um, I guess, to the, the, the whole, the, the notion of the fact that he is he is someone who is is human and like and mortal. You know, often often we can get carried away in the thinking of the apostles being these higher end kind of. Yeah. Paper and it's like, well, Paul suffered, suffered with his eyes, you know. Yeah. He writes, is it 2 Timothy? Where he write, yeah, uh, in 2 Timothy 4.12, uh, 4.13, uh, when you come, bring the cloak that I left um, with carpets at Troyes mm. and my, uh, my uh, scrolls, especially the parts. So, you know, left his cloak behind. Mm. Paul, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, that's right. Mm. So, anyway, it's a trivial. I, I yeah, it. yeah, that's right. Interesting. And- and it shows that these are real people who are embedded in their time and culture and they're actually seeking to uh, pastorally care for and encourage people and spur them on in their faith like you were sharing, Pip, from Galatians 6. Mm, for shizzle. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on that note, James uh, or Nick, Nick, maybe, do you, do you want to share what you've been... What have uh, you been reading, my friend? Huge. What's been on your... Well, brain? I've... Um, I've already a, a couple of, of, of different things. Um... I have been making my way slowly, slowly through the book of Job, right. uh, and I was encouraged by 
Uh, a guy I met up with one to one, Ross Abraham. Uh, a couple of listeners might know. What an encouraging is. older brother. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, he's um, he's awesome. <clears throat> so I met up with him, and he was like, "Nick, good that you're reading Job. Just putting it out there. It is um, long and can be tedious. So I recommend that you read something along with that." Uh, so I was reading the the book of One Thessalonians along with that, but. Uh, recently, uh, I've been reading those books, but I've but I've been wrestling with something different altogether, um, and I've been thinking a little bit about um, Revelation twenty. Mm. Uh, and Revelation twenty, um, uh, Revelation is, is a very complex book, very different style of writing, uh, a style of writing um, that uh, is apocalyptic literature. Uh, so books like Daniel are also ap- apocalyptic. I'm struggling with the word apocalyptic <laughs> uh, in the Bible. Uh, anyway, and so so Revelation can be quite difficult sometimes to understand, but um, it's in there for a reason, and and, and for us to in, for to be interpreted and uh, to be interpreted along with the rest of Scripture. Hmm. Um, but I've been thinking about this chapter when it says about the end times. Uh, and particularly this idea of, of the millennium um, that it brings out. Mm. Um, and there are a lot of different discussions around what this millennium might be. Mm. Um, a couple of um, us might have heard of um, pre-millennialism, amillennialism, post-millennialism. I've been thinking through all of that mm. and what that kind of means. Um, and, you know, Ross was telling me, the guy I met up with, he's like... Uh, Look, Nick, you could have the view of pan-millennialism, which means it'll all pan out in the end. Oh! Like, well, huge, bit of a dad joke. Oh, that's an oldie uh, but a goodie. I it's like an oldie, it. but it, it, yeah. is, it is true. However... Have you heard that one before, Pat? I, 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 I have heard that <laughs> one. It's great. That's yeah. yeah, however... It out in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it, it, is, it is important to, to have a look at, um, at what this... Yeah, what this is talking about. Yeah, so well, where um, are you at, Nick, and your thinking as you read Revelation 20? Well... I I wouldn't say that I have conformed yet to any particular opinion. I'm still still very much um, looking through what on earth it is talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it, it it's kind of difficult to to um, to know where to start in terms of talking about. These type of things. Uh, have you either of you read uh, Revelation twenty recently, or um, not recently? Was the last time, yeah. no. But we did. We have been. We did talk about premillennialism, uh, postmill. Like we talked about the millennial arguments mm. with um, with Jack. Uh, we in uh, some of our MTS training on Friday mornings. Mm. We did briefly touch on it because we were thinking a bit about end times and yeah. the theology of what's known as eschatology. Mm. The, Theology of the the last things. Yes. The end. Yeah. The escalation. Yeah. <laughs> probably, not the, probably not the same root word. No, 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 no. The eschaton, the the, the the final goal or the end of anyway. But yes. But escalation because <laughs> it escalates to the end. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There you go. Marsh White Pamela is it? Oh, yeah, whatever. That's it. Um <laughs> but yeah, yes. I'm just trying to remember that the helpful chart. We got a helpful chart mm. from Jack, which kind of showed what each of them mean. There you go. Mm. Like pre and post, basically the where does the thousand years sit and what does it refer to? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, so I think that um, the 
Um, I was given this little. I brought a little booklet along mm. um, for those of you. You bought some uh, some, some stimulus. stimulus. I did. I did because I regularly um, get confused um, about all this thing. But this is kind of yeah. Check it out, guys. Big booklet. Ross Abraham. If you want to want some stimulus, this is riveting for our audio. It is. Uh, <laughs> can't guys, see what this it's is awesome. Right but um, <laughs> anyway, I, I think one thing that this is this is his conclusion that he's come to. He he. This is stuff that Ross has written. Yeah, yeah. Right, go so for it, go he's for it. he's gone gone round. He's uh, a millennialist in his thinking, and this is his conclusion. Uh, he says that Satan is bound by Christ and his work on the cross. Uh, Satan is therefore unable to keep. Um, the nations in spiritual darkness. So there's this idea in Revelation 20 of, of Satan being bound for a thousand years and he can't deceive um, the nations. He can't deceive um, Christians. So Satan is bound for a thousand years and a thousand is, is, the, is the number for completeness uh, in the Bible. So this is complete, um, times complete, times complete. Um, so this can mean eternity, God's complete time, but it can also mean God's right time or perhaps his complete time so satan is unbound and recommences deceiving the nations and will gather a force to attack and destroy the church so this is after satan is released from the thousand years in in this pit that it talks about in revelation 20 Um, and god will miraculously intervene rescue the church and throw satan into the lake of fire which it talks about at the end of the chapter Um, so the interpretation from all of this is that this means that the church will continue its mission of spreading the gospel for a thousand years, God's ordered time. Um, there will then come a time of intense persecution, which looks um, like the, the church will be, be wiped out, will be overpowered by it. Uh, and then God will miraculous, miraculously uh, intervene and destroy Satan um, and um, bring everything together mm. on judgment day. So this is, this is, Ross's theory, Ross's yeah. writing. And I look, I, it does make quite a lot of sense to me in terms yeah. of how this millennium works. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I've not come to any specific conclusion. Yeah. I, I think just I realise we should probably have defined for our listeners what the what these terms mean. That would be extremely helpful. So would you like me to do that quickly? I think you should definitely do that. Sure. So just to be clear for our mm-hmm. listeners, we've got this a bit backwards really. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in Revelation 20, there's this thousand years... Um, um, of uh, Satan being bound. And there's a question about whether or not these thousand years uh, happen after uh, there is some kind of Jesus returning, right? Which is um, premillennialism. In other words, Jesus returns before this millennium. Postmillennialism, which is there's these thousand years and then Jesus returns. And amillennialism or amillennialism which is that the thousand years isn't actually a literal thousand years. It's more of a period of time. And there are two main branches of amillennialism or amillennialism. One is that it's just a period of time on earth where Satan is bound, or it's a time in heaven, actually, that in heaven, Satan is bound, Mm. right? And there's a sense in which the rule and reign is continuing there, right? So, yeah, and those are two ways of thinking about amillennialism. So it's like, how do you understand these thousand years in Revelation 20? Mm. And you're saying that Ross has taken the amillennial view, which is basically that it's not a literal thousand years. It's more of a period of time, which is now that Satan has been bound and can't deceive the nations. Yeah. So that's his point of view. Thanks for that. I can get on board with that. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's 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 there's a lot of people who disagree on these mm. things here, um, but that's uh, you know reading the Bible mm. and uh, trying to interpret what's there. Yeah, I think I think that the biggest thing that I'm taking away from this at the moment is the the fact that it is important to really think about these things. Mm. Um, it's important to wrestle with them rather than just being like, hey. That's super complicated. I don't even address it. Or you know what? It's it's gonna everything's gonna come in the end, and it'll all be good. Um, I feel like you know it's 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 here for a purpose, mm-hmm. and I think that although you know whatever particular opinion you have is is not quite a hill to die on, I think it is important to really spend time being like, hey, what does this actually mean? Because um, Jesus uh, um, uh, towards the end of I think it's. Is it Matthew? I'm not, I'm not quite sure. And, and, he, and he comes on the road. Is it Road to Emmaus? Luke 24. Luke 24. Mm-hmm. Completely wrong gospel. Luke 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he's calling, he calls them fools for not knowing the, the sign of the times, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it is, although I don't think we're ever quite going to get there in terms of knowing exactly what it is, God's timing is his right and perfect timing. I do think that we, we don't want to be fools. We want to actually investigate this kind of thing. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, so that's yeah. my thinking. Yeah, mm. nice. Hey, thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for sharing. And I think that, yeah, um, mm. there's a lot. Like Listeners should, should have a read of Revelation 20 and have a bit of a think of what's going on there. I will say that one of the big things to take from it, though, is that Jesus wins. Mm. Um, and that ultimately we will live um, in resurrected new creation, free from all tears and mourning and crying and pain, as we see in Revelation 21, which comes after this mm. chapter, and that, that that future is that's clear and secure, and we know that is yeah. definitely there. Yeah, and yeah. to look ahead, to look ahead to that, because that's going to be awesome and glorious and far better than anything. Yeah, mm. thanks for sharing, Nick. As a uh, as one theologian once said. Christians should invest in a small, too hard basket. Which theologian? <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. You can be that theologian. I'll be it. Do in- it. Invest in a small, too hard basket. Mm. There's got to be a better way to phrase that. Keep your too hard basket behind emergency glass. <laughs> yeah, right? Something like that. Good to know. There's no basket too... Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> James, what have you been reading in the Bible? I'm reading 2 Corinthians. So let's go to 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> now, 2 Corinthians. Do you know why it's called 2 Corinthians? Why is it called 2 Corinthians? Contrary to popular belief, yes. it is not a letter that comes after 1 Corinthians. Right. Rather, Paul is literally writing to 2 Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> and only 2. Just two. Yeah. We don't know who these two were, <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he realized that writing to one of the Corinthians in the first letter was not yeah. enough. One Corinthian, two Corinthians. He's expanding his audience. Uh, no, that's a joke. Uh, that's not a good one either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. It's great. Now, I want to make an observation from chapter one, two okay. Corinthians chapter one. So context being that Paul has previously written uh, a letter to the Corinthians. Uh, in fact, we actually think he may have written two or three other letters before this letter of two Corinthians. We think there may have been three to four letters to the Corinthians in total, and we only have two of them in our Christian New Testaments. 
but what he's actually doing in this letter is he's actually trying to commend his ministry in the face of opposition from these super apostles. But also he's trying to um, assure them uh, that what, what he's saying is actually trustworthy as well. So mm-hmm. not only his ministry, but the content of his ministry as well. And so in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, in 2 Corinthians, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our, all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. I think that as we, uh, you know, make the lead up to Christmas and we think about, and so yesterday at church we had a, uh, all across St. Paul's, we had a, a lament service and a thanksgiving service. And I was thinking that, and a friend of mine actually uh, sent a message through that, you know, it, it's really valuable that we're, we spent some time to lament. Um, you know, I think in a, in a particular view of Christianity, it's just about, you know, getting hyped getting excited, jumping up and down, feeling good about yourself. But the Bible was filled with anguish and grief and, and sorrow and uh, people who have intense pain and they bring it to God. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a time to lament and mourn and God meets us there. He gives us hope in the midst of it and light out of the darkness. And yet he's, that doesn't mean that it's, it's never wrong for you to lament. I think these words from 2 Corinthians 1 in this Christmas season, this year really, and life in general, that God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That's super encouraging, isn't it? Mm. And it's good to remember that. And to remember that we share in the sufferings of Christ, but we also share in the comforts of Christ. And I, I th- just wanted to, to share that because I was really struck by that this past week as I read mm. 2 Corinthians chapter mm. 1. Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? I think it, it's really important to remember that, um, of how um, of how God is, is that kind of God, uh, that he... Um, that he understands suffering uh, and troubles and trials because he's experienced it in Christ. Mm. Um, and he very much uh, welcomes us to bring that to him. Mm. I mean, you have the book of Lamentations yeah, that's right. in the Bible. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Psalms who are extremely raw in emotion. Mm. Um particularly about feeling abandoned uh, and downtrodden mm. and weak. Um, but in amongst that, you have the glory um, and the hope that is in God. Mm. And for us, on the other side of the New Testament, in Christ, who we can see plainly, um, mm. I think it's just incredible. Yeah. And so the fact that God is not just above us and doesn't, doesn't really get what we're going through, no, he, he gets it and he's lived it mm. uh, and he's, he's died in it and he's also been raised up in it and he understands what we go through. But, but more than that, mm. but more than that, he can assure us um, of the hope um, that he gives yeah. in Christ. 
Yeah, it's really... Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, you're wrong. It's, uh, you know, you, you're mentioning Lamentations. I remember mm. the first time I read Lamentations, and there's this part at the end where... And this, you know, this is not new to the Bible. You see it in the Psalms. Uh, sorry, it's not unique in the Bible. You see it in the Psalms. But I just remember reading Lamentations, and then we got to, I got to chapter 5. Mm. And these words hit me so hard, where Jeremiah, who we think you know, is, is the one who wrote Lamentations, he writes in chapter 5, uh, verse 20, Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? And I remember when I first read that, it jolted me. I was like, you can't say that. God doesn't forget anyone. He does, And I realized that I had put a standard over and above what the Bible actually gives us, mm. which is that what is, what is, again, we think it's Jeremiah. What is Jeremiah doing here? He's actually bringing these feelings and anguish, uh, feelings of anguish to God. And we call this Holy Scripture. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You read the Psalms where it's like, you know, how long, O oh Lord, how long will you forget us? Like, on a theological level, where you go, like, does God forget people? Well, no, right? And yet, God invites us to bring our fears and pain and sorrow mm. to Him. Because He meets us there and is the God of all comfort. Mm. Amen. I think, yeah, listeners, you know, we're, we're Bible boys. This year has been our first year of Bible boys. We're, we're, we always say light when it comes to us, serious about the things of God. Wherever you're at, whatever year you've had, feel that, hear that. God wants you to bring your pain and sorrow and anguish to him wherever you're at. Nothing is off limits to be able to bring to God and be comforted with the truth of who he is and what you have in Jesus mm. this Christmas. Amen. Pip, do you want to add anything to that? I think you've said it all. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, guys, we're, we're going to wind up a bit now, but we, we do have uh, some questions that got sent through on the, on the question line. We've got two we're going to answer today. Um, by the way, Nick, I think it's so great that you're here with us on this final episode of the year before we take a bit of time off. Mm. How are you feeling about being on the final episode? What a privilege uh, to end the year with the Bible. Boys. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a privilege. Great. By the way, Pip, I just realized, you know, our YouTube watches, they might be getting very dizzy right now because this no, camera I... keeps moving around. Look, you love me. I am. <laughs> Just hoping this is not the last time they go for the YouTube watch. You know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I know it's a good one. All right. Let, let's let's start with let's let's do our two questions. So listeners, always remember you can email us at thebibleboys with a z at gmail.com. What's that email, Nick? Thebibleboys with a z at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can hit us up on Instagram at bible underscore boys with a z. With a z. That's it. Okay. Just like. This person did. And the question is... Yeah, all right, here we go. A, a light question. If God already knew he was going to regret creation, why did he still create everything? Whoa! The, the Bible boys have received a bombshell question. It's awesome. It's a great question. It's a great question. Yeah, it's a could, fantastic question. Could you read it out again? Just... Uh... Yes. Resonate. If God already knew he was going to regret creation, why did he still create everything? Mm. How would we go about answering this question? Yeah, fantastic question. I think one thing to kind of say is um, regret. Okay, so let's get the, the premises mm -hmm. down, right? Mm -hmm. 
Is it true that when God created things, he then regretted what he created? I think the answer is a yes, in a sense. Like, we need to also understand what the word regret means. But if we go back to Genesis chapter 6. That's right. Genesis 6. That's uh, the passage where we see this, yes. That's right. So, um, verse 5 to 6. Yeah, nice. So, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I do, you know, uh, we'll take this at face value, the, the word regretted, mm-hmm. in terms of like how most people see regret. Um, there is also this, this theme through the Bible that, um, you know, there, there is this, this kind of paradox, this mystery that while God is in com- uh, completely in control of all things, he's completely sovereign, um, h- human actions do evoke a response from God. Mm-hmm. And so when humans sin, he's angry. Mm-hmm. When, when humans worship God as they ought, he's, he's pleased. You know, and, and, and God can feel joy. Um, and so God is not this impersonal robot thing. He, God, God um, feels things. Mm-hmm. God knows things. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is, if God is in control and he could have created anything, like anything and everything, why did he create something that brings him mm-hmm. regret and sadness? It's a very complex question. I would say part of it is, at the at the very like, in the end, mm-hmm. God will ultimately achieve everything that is you know that is going to bring him the most glory, which is that um, he de- he's one he's able to demonstrate his full love for people in what is created because you know by sin being in the world, he's able to send his son Jesus into the world to die for sin. And rise again. So God can demonstrate the full extent of his love for for people, for his people. Mm-hmm. He can also demonstrate the full, uh, his, his full justice and sense of justice um, in dealing with sin and in, pun- in punishing sin. He can also demonstrate his faithfulness to his promises over a long time, mm-hmm. which we experience, we experience time. All this to say that in the end... Uh, God will get glory as we, as his people, uh, see him for who he is, understand him, and worship him for eternity. Um, and it seems as though parts of the, parts of the story of the humanity uh, are sections where God does regret decisions that humans make. Mm. But it's not an isolated incident. It, it comes within the full kind of tapestry of what he's doing in salvation history, yeah. Where, where, how how to where to go from there, James? I'd uh, say two things. So one is that um, I think we need to take Genesis six seriously. When it says regret, it means regret. But also we have to understand that the Bible uses uh, here's here's our big term for the day: anthropomorphical language when mm. it comes to God. So for example, in Exodus, when the Red Sea is parted, in Exodus fifteen, when there's a song about it, it talks about God blasting the sea apart through his nostrils. Now, God is spirit. He doesn't have nostrils. So what does it mean? Does it mean that he has not? Well, no, it's anthropomorphical language. It's this idea of using this sort of language about 
um, that that makes more sense to us use uh, from a from a human sort of perspective. So body parts, right? Features like nostrils, but also I think there's a sense in which when there are particular emotional responses, not to say that God doesn't feel particular things, but one thing that's important to realize about God is He is not controlled or dominated by emotions. It's it's another term um, about the attributes of God known as the impassibility of God. That's another term. But when it says regret, I don't think we need to read it the same way as you and I might regret because mm-hmm. it's anthropomorphical language. So in what sense did God regret it? Well, I think it's regret in the sense that he realized that there was this evil and he had to judge. That's the sense in which we get the regret. Um, he needed to judge and destroy. Um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It is tough. Is it That's almost right. like saying... He, God knows the regrettableness of what's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah I you think know, that could be one the, way of saying it. The sin that humans commit, it's regrettable. Yes. And God knows it, and he regrets it. Yes. But not in the sense that he's like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, see, this, this is the thing, right? I think the perfect example of this we see is in the cross of Jesus, where in the cross, you see the, the, the coming together of the greatest crime ever committed by society, uh, by humanity, the greatest sin, the, 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 the murder of God, the author of life himself, right? And yet, it is the victory that God had planned since before the foundation of the world. Mm. And so, how do you mesh those two things together? It, it boggles your brain to think about it, that it is the greatest sin humanity has ever committed, and yet it is the victory and the glory of Christianity, mm. that we see the love and perfect uh, grace of God dished out through judgment mm. as well. And those things come together there. Nice. Um, I guess the second thing, big thing I want to say was that in the question asking why did God create everything, part of the answer uh, is God created everything for his glory. Mm. But I think you can also add uh, a father-son spirit dimension to that. Uh, so not to not to go against it, but just to add more color mm. to it, which is so. For example, Colossians chapter one, verse sixteen, it says very clearly that for in Him, this is the Son, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rules or authorities, all things have been created through Him, and for Him. Mm. And so. In terms of that second part of the question, why did God create everything? The, the answer to that is for his glory as a gift from the Father to the Son. All right? that, that actually all things have been created to magnify the Son. And that, that's where the glory aspect comes in as well, where the Father is making much of the Son and the Son is making much of the Father. And in that loving relationship, you see the, 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 the glory of God is magnified. Mm-hmm. So... Why did God still create everything, even though he knew that sin was going to happen, even though he knew that there were, you know, terrible things that were going to happen? It was as a gift for his son to magnify his son. And if you think about what we have, God has gathered a people for his son through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, a redeemed, treasured possession um, who will be Christ's forever. Mm-hmm. And that is what we see um, throughout the victory of Christ in, in the history of humanity. It's a hard answer, mm. but I think it, it's one where we see that the purpose of all existence is not us, ultimately. Mm. We're included in it, but it's actually about 
the sun. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's an answer. Yeah. Nick, do you want to add anything to that? Not a lot. Uh, although the, the fact of, of the regrettable nature of God um, in Genesis 6, um, keep reading a little bit, God then in his grace and mercy mm. saved Noah. Yes. Who was considered righteous by his faith in God, not by what he had done. And so I think even amongst the depravity of our nature mm. as sinful and broken, God's grace abounds even more, and we see that through Christ. Mm. Yes. Nice. No, that's really helpful, Nick. Yeah. Good. It was a good question, and I think there's a lot of stuff to say on this whole topic yeah. of God's sovereignty. Very complex. Yes. Keep studying, keep reading, and, and doing everything you have to do to keep looking at this question. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. We've got another big question, but let's see if we can answer it relatively swiftly. Not because we don't think it deserves more time, uh, but because... Uh, we have been going for a while now, yeah, and uh, yeah. it's good to honour the time of our listeners and video watchers mm. as well. Here Don't we make you wait for anything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> we got another question on the Instas. It says, uh, how do you continue to work as Christ would if your workplace is draining and your willingness to work well is uh, lacking encouragement? Uh, what's the encouragement from the Bible to yeah. do this? So, how do you continue to work and honour Christ if your workplace is really draining? Great question. Really good question. Nick, do you want to start us off on this one? I think that it is incredibly hard. Um, I think that uh, as someone who hasn't quite <laughs> worked necessarily in, in, a, um, in a heavy work, I'm still at uni for, for the listeners, um, I think that my experience for that is somewhat lacking. However, I do think that working in any circumstance or serving in any circumstance where it is particularly draining and for the workplace, likely a non-Christian environment, likely an environment which doesn't appreciate um, what you necessarily do uh, on a Sunday or you know you might serve on a Friday or weekdays, whatever. Um, is is incredibly difficult, and so therefore, completely understand that it would be draining to actually um, get something out of that. I guess the encouragement, as we've seen from the last question, is that in being created for the glory of God, therefore, in anything that we do, giving glory to God, um, I think that is an important element. Of, of work, of service, of how we live our lives in general to seek to do the work of the Lord mm. in anything. Um, but I guess to, to get to specifics, um, when we think about um, undergoing trials, undergoing perhaps persecution in the workplace for Christ, mm. knowing that um, Christ has experienced the same trials, weariness, um, being tired, even Jesus slept, um, as as we do, and so God completely gets that. Um, we can also look forward to the day that um, we won't have to experience that kind of thing. That we have uh, a richness in heaven coming soon. We know it's coming soon because Jesus said it was going to come soon. Um, so to look ahead to that in what we do um, 
not to purely see this as something that is going to weigh us down and, and crush our spirit uh, as hard as that might be. Mm. Pip, James, add some colour to that. Um, Pip? I'm liking this phrase, add, adding colour. Yeah, I'll write it. Add colour. Um, I'm going to start it. Uh, a bit that of colour. That can be your theologian phrase. Adding colour. I mean, you... Anyway. <laughs> um, I guess um, some uh, a couple of things to add. One is that... Um, you know, this the biblical idea of rest is very important. And so if you're working and you're feeling weary in your work, um, yeah, to, I guess, think think about rest as well as a good gift from God. Um, think about the, you know, perhaps you've got leave available, perhaps you've got, um, re, you know, room in your calendar to, to get more sleep or to, um, you know, relax in new, fresh ways. Um, they, that might be just on, on a physical, physiological level, um, a way to alleviate some of that weariness. There's also relational weariness where you're fed up with your colleagues. <laughs> and I think, you know, um, yeah, like I've, I've worked in situations where, um, you know, it's hard to get a- along with your colleagues mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and it, I think that, yeah, like there is a, a reality to that, knowing that, pe- you know, the people that you work with are not perfect people. Um, they're, they're sinful, just like you, just like me. Um, and yet we're, we are called to show grace to them, just as God has shown grace to us. Um, you know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. He says to, if someone forces you to go a mile, go another mile with them. If someone's forcing you to do stuff at work, um, you know, there, there is a sense in which you, you can do that and you, and you do that. And you might even go above and beyond and do it and, and go even further than um, because, you know, we we have, um, you know, God on our side, giving us strength and ability to do that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm tying in lots of different ideas. Um, I, I'd also say in whatever season you're in, whatever situation you're in, if, if there's anxiety, that, that side of weariness, um, to bring it before God in prayer is a fantastic thing to do um, because we have a God who listens to our prayers. Um yeah, but I, I would also say where, like, you know, um, it's it is frustrating when work is frustrating and causing you weariness. Mm. Um, but, and yes, the struggle of the Christian life is to hold as tightly to the gospel as we can and to kind of get our strength, um, you know, spiritually speaking, from the gospel. So to meditate on Jesus and the lengths that he went to to rescue us from our sin. Um, yeah, so the, there are a few things, and I'm sorry to hear whoever you know uh, messaged in. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that work is uh, is making you weary and is and is uh, frustrating at the moment. Uh, and as a brother in Christ, I'll just say, um, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel for you, and um, yeah, keep keep powering on, but know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ at church that you can also lean on as well. Mm. Mm. If I can, again, use the phrase, add color to that, or add scripture to it. Philippians 4, um, verse 6, um, I think, uh, even starting verse 5, um, is really helpful for this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, 
with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think that's super important Mm. to remember in this kind of situation. Mm. James? Uh, Three things to add. One is that um, to take care of yourself and to know that you are finite um, in your abilities. I think I remember, I may have shared this before on the podcast, but I remember a senior staff worker at uni a few years ago said to me, you know, James, for most workers, if they can make it to church each week and growth group each week, they're already doing really well because work is grueling, Mm. especially when you're married and perhaps if you have a young family. And I remember at the time being like, oh, that's such a low bar. Like, surely they should be serving in some way as well. And he's like, you know, there is a huge burden of, of work on a lot of people. And you actually need to not put more burdens on people. You need to help them see yeah, yeah. the joy and the and the freedom and the rest that is in Christ. And I've really taken that on board because um, I, I appreciated that rebuke. So the first thing I'd say is to, to, to take seriously your finiteness and to realize that maybe you can't do everything that you were doing years ago. Um, you may not be able to stay up as late and go see as many friends. You may not be able to serve in the same ministries, but to get a good night's sleep, to be ready for growth group, to be attentive for church. Those are really good things. And in different seasons of life, your capacity to, to be able to do more things will go up or go down. It actually takes seriously your finiteness. Mm. I think the second thing I'd want to say um, is to to make sure that the that you're, you know that, and especially in our society, you can say no. You can say no to particular things. And it may reduce your ability to be promoted in particular workplaces, uh, but to actually say no and put up boundaries to take care of yourself. Um, uh, I think that that is, uh, it's, it's counting the cost of what you're saying yes to, which we see as a principle for ministry, for example, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. But you also see it in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, this idea of actually um, not chasing after the wind um, and not going after things that may be beyond your ability. So actually taking seriously who you are, and uh, this is similar to the first point, I guess, then, in terms of, realizing you can say no to particular things as well mm. i think the third thing perhaps is to is to also consider are you uh, what is your attitude towards work one of the things i notice about for example with our youth leaders is that people who are you know so tired and drained like staying up to 2 a.m planning particular things like for our youth annual youth camp awesome for example you know you're tired you're drained but you remember why you're doing it mm. you keep the, the the main thing the main thing you keep things in perspective and when things are in perspective you can even do the hard things because you know it's for a good purpose and so i guess there's another thing about how you view your workplace because work is tough work is tiring mm. work should be tiring in one sense because we are called to work hard and Ecclesiastes and Proverbs has lots of words against people who aren't willing to put in the hard work. Um, but what keeps you from burnout is keep is, is considering your perspective on what it is that you're doing and to realize that actually serving your boss, loving your coworkers, serving the people you serve, they are good things as well. Um, even though environments may be toxic at times and the people you're working with may not be the most encouraging. Mm-hmm. And so those are some things to add as well. Some colour. <laughs> anyway, shall we leave it there, guys? Let's leave it there. Let's leave it yeah. there. Merry guys, Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you, everyone. Remember, you can always like, rate, review us. You can share us with your friends. You can subscribe to us on YouTube so other people can experience the might, the wonder, the fun, the magic, the unadulterated 
wonder of the premium content of the Bible Boys. With Pip and James and Nick signing off. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you in a few weeks. See you then. Bye-bye. YouTube. Hi guys, welcome to the Bible Boys. Pip, how are you today? I'm very good. Um, I'm enjoying life. What about you, Nick? How are you going? Yeah, yeah. Struth, mate. Are you? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, psh.